Welcome to the Mental Health in Schools podcast, designed and delivered by Anna Bateman. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Halcyon Education Podcasts, a podcast that is designed for mental health leads in schools and really looking at prevention at the heart of all the interviews and the podcasts that I bring to you. At the start of the new year, I thought it was an excellent opportunity to think about the well-being of staff, the importance of our personal responsibility for our own well-being, and also how coaching will support personal growth and well-being. I'm also going to provide some information on spotting the signs of burnout and what impacts on burnout and some easy, implementable ways of being able to reduce this. And I'm delighted to provide this through an interview with Sunita Bagri, who is a coach and previously a head teacher. So I hope you're taking a few moments out of your day to consider her ideas and the importance of taking personal responsibility for our well-being in what is a very challenging environment to work in. First, a quick word from our sponsors. At Jigsaw PSHE, we believe that personal development and strategies to build mental well-being need to be taught and not left to chance. Jigsaw, the mindful approach to PSHE, leads the way in providing children and young people with its acclaimed, well-structured and developmental less-than-a-week learning experience in PSHE from ages 3 to 16. Detailed lesson plans and all the teaching resources needed, along with free updates and ongoing support, make Jigsaw an invaluable, relevant and fresh resource, taking the worry out of PSHE planning. Written by teachers for teachers. A mindfulness philosophy and practice underpins the whole programme. Statutory government requirements for relationships, health and sex education are amply covered. For more information, go to www.jigsawpshe.com or call at Jigsaw HQ. Now to the podcast. So welcome to Housing Education's podcast and today I'm joined by Sunita Bagri. Welcome. Hi. Hi Anna. Um, and Sunita, would you just give us a bit of a background? Certainly, of course. Yes, thank you for having me Anna. So um, I've been in education for 20 years now, been a teacher, a senior leader and recently over the last four years I've worked as a head teacher. Um, very recently I've trained this year as a coach and really I'm very invested in the personal development of of everybody mm. but specifically due to my experience and having worked with teachers and managing staff I became very very interested and inspired to train as a coach to work specifically with teachers and coach them. Brilliant and I you know we've known each other for a, for a few years on and off haven't we and I can genuinely say you know I think you're, you're sort of you know you're coming from a real genuine place of wanting to help others so I'm really thrilled that you're here today um, and going to sort of share some ideas about how staff can um, maybe spot the signs of when their own well-being is not okay because I think sometimes in the busyness of school life um, we, we a assume that it's normal to feel overwhelmed all the time and that all, almost that's become the norm um, but also that that maybe you've got some ideas that that um, you know uh, our mental health leads who are listening to this can kind of take away and sort of support their staff 
with. So um, there was a new, so the Education Support Partnership, I think it's the only charity in the UK that sort of looks at, at, at staff well-being. Um, and we also know, obviously, that they sort of brought out an index um, right. and a report, which is really interesting. So I'll, I'll include that um, in the resources section for you all. Um, really interesting reading. We also know Ofsted have got a focus as well um, as part of mental health. We know that the uh, of, of staff. We also know that the curriculum is also looking up for, for September 2020, going to have more around mental health. So we know there's a there's a shift on its way, but it doesn't quite feel like it's enough. So I just wondered what your thoughts were for staff to kind of have that um be able to reflect on their own well-being because i think sometimes we we sit within a system and we wait for someone to come and tell us Mm -hmm. that they're going to fix your well-being and so i just think it's about that personal responsibility what what are your thoughts on that yeah i would definitely agree with you there part of being a coach i run a project specifically for teachers and educators or anybody in in the education sector and it's called every teacher matters So the real point of the project is to take responsibility, as you say, and it's to take to be self-empowered and to take control of a situation. So the way that I look at it is that we all, you know, if you're working in education, then at some point you've made a conscious decision that you wanted to um, contribute to the profession and that you wanted to make a difference to children's lives and mm. young people. So that's a very responsible decision. Mm. And what comes with that is then the responsibility to look after ourselves and to be well enough to do the very important job of, of teaching and educating. So comes with that is a responsibility first and foremost to ourselves. Yes, it is a very, very difficult profession. It's very tough. It's very challenging. You only have to look at the teacher's standards to understand the requirements of the job but then that is what we entered so that is what we must do Mm. and I don't you know I don't think um, it's helpful that anybody blames the government the DfE or you know sits there and says oh look at this issue look at look at oh yes teaching is is such a difficult job and oh look what they've done to us so what I really try to do is steer people away from blame and it is very much about being assertive and looking at it from a point of okay I chose to do this I made the decision to do this now what can I do to be in a place of absolute productivity and working to my full potential with the highest levels of energy and that's physically and mentally so that's really where I where I come from when I'm working with individuals Um, but part of that is to look at the environment and to look at who you are working with to make sure that you have addressed those issues and if they're part of the issue that you're dealing with then you need to do something differently and then the coaching process opens people's sort of raises self-awareness towards that effect Mm. to that effect Mm. but you referred to the teacher well-being index and in the last network meeting I talked about that at length because they're staggering and actually let's face it they're terrifying results aren't they in, in terms of what we see stress levels at the highest yeah. and when you look at that report in detail it's um it's very very disheartening it is disheartening and particularly senior leaders and i think 
you know, with the change, and I've said that's great, um, you know, senior leaders have got a responsibility to help workloads and wellbeing. But but my worry is who's helping the senior leaders? Because mm-hmm. you look at the Governor Handbook and it's a recommendation that there's a Governor for wellbeing, but it's not statutory. Mm-hmm. Um, so who is looking after, you know, the wellbeing of our, our senior leaders who who need to come to work with positive energy to lead Um, And I think that's difficult. So what do you think schools can do and leaders can do? I certainly would advocate coaching, not because I am a coach, but certainly that is my passion and and the reason that I went into training myself. Because when we talk about self-empowerment and we talk about coming from a place of having good physical and mental energy, then we also need to be able to devote the time to connect with that so that we can inspire others I do wholeheartedly believe that certainly in my role as a senior leader and as a head teacher if I was not leading by example and if I were not the one that were bringing the positive energy into the school then actually where is it going to come from so my job as a leader is very much to be dynamic creative innovative positive and really make sure that I'm galvanizing the rest of the senior leadership team who then go out and do that important jobs with the rest of their team so it does have to start with the senior leadership team and I would say coaching is an instrumental part of their own professional development and mm-hmm. that it needs to be seen as an investment really yeah and it's not just an investment in in terms of um, you know the value that it brings for retention and recruitment but that uh, the difference in energy that comes from being able to be part of coaching and I mean, you know I'm coming from a place I've, I've had coaching on and off for years myself and yeah. I know when you go into schools um, the sort of comments that you get are about I didn't know I needed it until I had it mm-hmm. and I think that's quite a profound uh, comment to make and, and reflection on coaching mm-hmm. as a tool for being able to continue to lead yeah. and lead a school well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Again, I totally agree. I've been having coaching myself for the last four years, um, and I think it is misunderstood. Mm. I think not everybody realizes or understands why they need a coach. I think coaching very much gives you um, the the space to grow. Of lots of um, the teachers that I'm the leaders that I've worked with often they do make that comment about we didn't know we needed it until we had it Um, lots of people have said well it's like you know having the mirror held up you know to your face and being shown well this is who you really are because when you're in the hamster wheel of you know of of the normal school day um, which then turns into weeks and then results in you know a a very tiresome half term and before you know it you're just trying to re-energize it and trying to recoup in, in in a week which isn't isn't effective because trying to fit in everything that you've missed so what coaching does it really gives you the space to to stop to review to reflect and actually work in in a better way Mm. work in a way that um, is going to give you more productivity because you're allowed the space to be strategic and look at the bigger picture so one of my favorite phrases since I've been having coaching myself is to get off the dance floor and stand on the balcony because that's what it really enables you to do because Mm. when you're in it you can't see it and coaching process helps you to to see what you're doing and what you're not doing yes and then actually what you want to do and within that are you aligned to your values Values. Mm. are you aligned and are your beliefs taking you in the direction of where you want to go so are you getting towards so 
I mean, it, there's that, um, a, a quick example is somebody, you know, I'll talk about a personal issue here. So if somebody's uh, trying to lose weight and is going on a diet and, you know, we, we they, they tend to do that yo-yoing, don't they? Well, the first thing if I was working, you know, with a client in that capacity would be to look at why. Why do they want to lose weight? Because often if their goals are not and then sorry their values not aligned with their goals and their beliefs then it will take them away mm. from their goal rather than towards their goal so it's looking at really making sure that the the values are absolutely underpinning a person's actions mm. and that's what makes it helps you to move forward towards achieving that goal yeah and I think you were saying before we sort of started recording about values and the importance of how they reflect in the way that we operate in our in our working day as part of kind of burnout and what can lead to burnout, which I found really interesting. And I know so are you able to share a bit more about what you what you think sort of leads to burnout? Yeah, I'd I'd love to actually because because um Having done the work that I'm doing now and, um, you know, constantly revisiting and looking at how I can help other people, I've really done a lot of work on understanding um, workload because that's a key strategy from the DfE. Um, And I think that perhaps we need to look at it as a bigger issue than just workload because burnout itself isn't just workload. It is one aspect of it so if we look at you know if you want to recognize burnout then we need to look at workload we need to look at how we can gain better balance what is it that we need to do you know are we doing the most important things or are we doing everything and then losing that sort of sense of prioritization and just in in a state of overwhelm so look at it but you know look at sort of workload with clarity and focus and getting some understanding of you know maybe we can develop some self-efficacy gain a better understanding of time management for Mm. example so it's so workload is one area of burnout but what also can lead to burnout is you know when you don't have when you don't feel in control of not just work but perhaps your life it could be a personal issue or you know decisions are being made in in your either your work life or your personal life that you don't feel you're part of so um you're you're then starting to these are depleting your internal resources mm. if you're feeling that there's a lack of reward so there's no acknowledgement for what you're doing again this is you know not just in your workplace but it could be through a personal relationship that you're having Um, or if you're not feeling part certainly in a workplace this would be more relevant if you're not feeling part of a community because when we feel part of a community that's when we feel a sense of purpose a sense of belonging that in the workplace is very important because when you're achieving to the you know you're working on the school improvement plan and you're working towards moving the children pushing the the children forward in terms of their progress then it's important that you're working as a collegiate to make sure that you're part of that community and everybody's working towards those goals Mm. um and if you're in an environment where you feel there's a lack of sort of fairness or there's a conflict of your values Um, then that can also really start all of those factors together, Mm. including the workload issue, lead to burnout, which I found very, very interesting in Mm. in the work that I've done, Mm. Um, and certainly through coaching. And the way that I'm approaching coaching is looking at what is causing... You know, we always hear about stress, we hear about anxiety, we hear about overwhelm, and we hear about teachers, you know, just 
not knowing where to start with it all but when you look at it in the context of but what other factors are contributing what other factors are depleting your internal resources and looking at burnout in that way that's very helpful um to to coach somebody through that process Mm. that's really interesting isn't it because we do just assume it is about workload but it's far more than that it is yeah well, so do you know what kind of signs would would somebody um, see in themselves? Perhaps because again, I think it's really hard. Like you, I really love that analogy about the sort of you know you being on the dance floor, and mm. you know when you get back in, even when you've had a break, within two days you feel sucked back in to that the kind of the treadmill or the da- the dancing, as it were. Mm. So how do um, staff sort of spot the signs, or how do you know mental health leads help staff to spot the signs of burnout? out and to try and you know prevent it from mm. um you know lasting sometimes uh, to permanent sort of you know yeah. people leaving the profession um you know well-being or physical um issues then being presented if it's not dealt with and, and you know i think we mustn't underestimate the impact that that burnout can have absolutely so i think some of the things that i mentioned there already i think for mental health leads or you know senior leaders in schools that would be really important for them to understand and recognize that actually burnout isn't just workload and it could be you know that they've they may be feeling in school or in their personal life that there's a lack of control lack of reward lack of community or a conflict of of you know potential values so that would be my advice to to really look at look at it from a holistic point of view Mm. but you know if we're looking at sort of trying to reduce that burnout then maybe really look at as a school what the school offer is you know is there enough training is there enough workshops is there enough in the school that's being done in terms of the the culture and the ethos in the school environment itself so that you know people are being given the opportunity to to talk about their their mental health for example are they being given the opportunity do they feel like they is there enough happening so they feel valued is yeah. there enough acknowledgement is there enough reward and we're not talking about monetary reward no. i know often people think that that that's what it is but you know when I speak to teachers and when I coach them it's very simple in their minds they just want to feel valued they want to feel that the work they are doing and the contribution they are making is being noticed um, it doesn't always have to be the head teacher it can just be their line manager but I have experienced firsthand people going over and above and beyond their job remit yeah. to do what they want to do because they actually are passionate individuals they are doing what they're doing because they want to be doing it but somewhere along the line you know whether it was you know again their depletion of resources or they're not feeling valued um, something has got in the way so it's really looking at it from that point of view so mm-hmm. as a school some of these things that I've talked about can, how can we implement them within the ethos and the culture of our school so that the staff feel rewarded so that staff have enough opportunity in the school day to to sit and have lunch even Mm. if it is 20 minutes out of that lunchtime yes we are all busy but you know if that model comes from the leadership to say we're all stopping we are all stopping at 12 45 and we are going to take 15 minutes then that will become the culture because the leaders set the culture in that school. So they would be, you know, some Mm. of the things that I would say would be well worth looking at. Yeah. And it is sometimes when when we're looking for change in culture, it it is about the through behaviour and language, isn't it? Because often we'll hear... Well, I hear it in schools, you know, it's, oh, you've got time for lunch, have you? Oh, you know, and so there's the culture of kind of... And then somebody feels guilty for sitting down and having a lunch break. 
So actually through that behaviour that's being modelled from SLT, um, preferably, um, and some of that language and, and addressing that language and that culture change. So it doesn't need to be a big, big, you know, some of these things can be very small, Absolutely. but very profound. Uh, Absolutely. I think it is, when we look at the culture and the ethos of the school, that for an individual can be the determining factor as to whether they stay or decide to leave. But yeah, I think the schools that I've seen where the culture of well-being is, is being modelled in that way, then staff do feel all of those things like feeling part of a community. Um, teachers know what well-being looks like. They under, start to understand what that looks like and it's beyond tokenism. You know, they, we really need to move away from, I think that's where the, the the leadership have to have a very good understanding of what staff well-being actually is, because in my mind where it works the best is when there's real connection, um, there's a real conversation and there's a community of care, trust and compassion for one another, because mm-hmm. that's what gives you that sense of belonging and that's where people go above and beyond because they're real human important connections and when you get that you just they're the foundations and then you build on that because no matter what no matter what how bad it's been in the classroom that day no matter how badly attacked you are by a parent you know or how challenging that behavior you're coming back to the foundations of compassion care trust loyalty respect and if they're built upon in that way Mm. then you know that's going to bring people back to, I can get... It's like being part of a family, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you leave your family in the morning and you have your day at work, but you come back and you come back to the comfort of your home and those meaningful relationships that you have. Yeah. So, you know, schools where they adopt that culture of, you know, true well-being, they keep well-being high on their agenda, not just on an odd training day here and there, but actually on a weekly yeah. basis on yeah. a daily basis you know that training and that resilience space some of the work that you do really Anna, mm-hmm. in schools about the proactiveness and the preventative the coaching counseling you know giving staffs uh, regular supervision where they need it investing in coaching like some of the schools that have you know making sure that when schools are going through a period of change then that change is helping people leading people through the change emotionally and intelligently mm-hmm. and being confident you know as a school community to really be confident that they're shouting out loud proudly that they look after their staff and they're modeling good practices particularly as you say by SLT (laughs) that's really interesting I was just reflecting back to the first podcast that we ever put out from Baroness Estelle Morris and she said exactly the same it's very hard I guess with your journey of of where you are um, maybe with Ofsted or your data and, and things to be confident but what she said was that language and how you tell your story of the of your school mm-hmm. and if you're telling the story of the school which is all oh, our staff are stressed da, 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 mm-hmm. then that's what you end up sort of seeing and, and portraying to others uh, and it's flipping it on its head like you quite rightly said which is just having that language of yes we look after our staff here and this is how we do it and it is beyond that uh inset or just a yoga session not saying that those aren't part of it yeah but i think it like you said it needs to really be underpinned within the culture of the school absolutely Mm. i think you know the the mind is very powerful and it believes whatever you tell it so as on an individual when i'm coaching members um, or clients then 
you have to speak the right language to yourself. You have to say the right things because it believes everything you tell it. Mm. So if you tell it you're stressed, it will believe it you're stressed. Yeah. So exactly like you say, as a school, as a you know leadership team, if you come at it that we're proud and we're confident about our staff, we're confident about the relationships that we have, we're confident about our values as a school, mm. then that's what the staff will start to believe yeah. and buy into as well. Yeah. And now a short break to hear from our sponsors. CPOMS is an online system for schools to manage pastoral concerns and events and is now used by over 10,000 schools. The main reason it works so well is that the categories of information a school logs on CPOMS are chosen by the school so that the concerns you face that are unique to your community or individuals can be logged accordingly. It saves a huge amount of time compared to doing things on paper Chronologies for pupils, or school-wide reports, can be generated quickly. The Service Point support team provide an incredible standard of service and one of the main reasons that CPOMs are spread by word of mouth to so many schools. For more information, go to www.cpoms.co.uk where you can also book a demo for your school. Now back to the podcast. The coaching process is really about helping people to see and respect perspective because we have to move away from blame, take responsibility and look at what we're saying and doing and our own behaviours and how they may be looking to our senior leaders equally. Are we having the conversations in the right way? Are we coming across um, professionally and are we looking after ourselves in the right way? So I think that's all really important as Mm. well. And I guess in a way, take, taking I say taking that power back, but, but feeling like you can influence and you've got some sense of control in, yeah. in an environment that does feel yeah. sometimes like you're done too, is really important. Yeah. So I was just thinking about then sort of stress and how staff manage that stress in, in, in you know, it is a stressful environment. Mm-hmm. Have you got some ideas? Yeah, certainly. I mean, again, in light of the wellbeing index that was published um, through the education partnership in um, November I've looked at stress a lot because you know a lot a, a lot of coaching clients are asking you know lots of head teachers are asking me to look at specifically helping teachers with stress so, so let's look at sort of you know how we recognize and stress first and foremost um, so physical effects of stress are you know tiredness reoccurring headaches and migraines upset stomach, poor sleeping, a loss of appetite, people having like chest pains or you know just having stomach problems in general, feeling sick and nauseous, um, often having lots of aches and pains and muscle stiffness and those kinds of physical ailments. Um, but when you're having those ailments on a daily basis, then that's going to naturally make us feel physically drained, emotionally distressed, brings out anxiety, increases, um, you know, those anxious periods. And actually, when we get anxious, we get gripped by panic Mm. and we lose control. Mm. That's what happens at that time. And we then, we've we've got anxious periods, we're having panic attack, we're losing control and we're doing everything we can to try and keep control. And then what we do is we wear a mask Ah. to show everybody we're okay. We're okay. We're 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 because no, we're, we're professionals. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm absolutely fine. So if somebody asks you, are you fine? You just like you you're so quick off the mark to say I'm absolutely fine. I'm absolutely because you're almost in defence mode. So we have to wear a mask to show everybody that we're not feeling stressed, and then that becomes a full time job. 
actually hiding the fact that we're not stressed and we're not anxious and we're not panicking becomes absolutely exhausting that on a daily so basis. so energy zapping. It is, yeah. it is. So again, the, you know, we look at burnout, but yes, it's all, you know, it's all, all of these factors are con- contributing. So you have to work out what the triggers are. Mm. So some of those things, you know, looking at those physical effects and how they lead on to those mentally exhausting effects. So how do we work out what is causing that? Look, look out for some triggers. Is there a pattern? Is it every time your head teacher walks in? Is it every time you see that parent? What is the trigger? So being aware of that is really important. And actually write those down. It could be your personal life. As I say, you know, I always say every time I start coaching, you're a person first and a professional second so what's going on in your personal life are you managing too much are you placing unrealistic expectations on yourself and you know what are you worrying about what is it and how can those worries be avoided can they be avoided looking at your productivity peaks in a day so I know for you know I for myself I like to go to bed early I'm not very good after nine o'clock at night they're not the times that I'm going to be able to work on the school improvement plan so for me I know I'm much better when I wake up early in the morning so work those times out for yourself and then all of those jobs that you have to do as a teacher as a leader as, as a member of staff in a school try and match doing those jobs at times when you're at your peak mm-hmm. so that you can give your best during those times and really pay more attention to yourself so that only you know what your life is like only you know what you manage at home and how can you bring better balance to your life and really executing the tasks that you've got to do clearly teaching can only be done during the school day but everything that you have to do in terms of planning preparation and assessment making sure that you're organizing those tasks and then you're executing them matched again as I say with the times that you're you're working at your most productivity where you're you're really peaking at those times make sure that you take breaks and you know we talk about reward earlier when Mm. we talk about burnout but you know those rewards don't always have to come from your senior leadership team we can reward ourselves as well you know I'm sure you've got rewards where you think you know okay I've 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 earned that now so I'm going to have a glass of red wine or whatever it works for you but treat yourself it's really important and if you're managing a lot and you know you have to keep you know it's your job isn't it you've taken on the responsibility of being of taking on that job whether it's a teacher or a leader well then you've you've done that consciously so if you now are struggling at home then what can you do Mm. so if it's housework or cleaning and ironing then is it is it you know I'm not saying it's easy but how can I find a solution to get the ironing done or mm-hmm. who can I ask for help to do it and if you have to pay somebody is that an option to, yeah. to make your life easier for you you know we talked about that we touched on this earlier but you know what is it that you're saying to yourself what language do you use with yourself is it uplifting is it positive or are you constantly you know berating yourself yeah. Um, because that's going to wear you down that's going to make you feel stressed and ultimately only you can take charge of your your own attitude only you can look after your physical health only you can invest in your self-care so eating sleeping you know taking time out and having times to enjoy yourself and drinking enough water you know nobody no no head teacher can make you do that you have to do that yourself Mm. so it is recognizing the signs looking at the impact of it but then sitting down and saying, well, what can I do about it? And again, coaching, counselling, these things all help you yes. to give you the space to do that. Yeah, give you that perspective. Yeah. Mm. But if, if you imagine now, 
if somebody isn't investing in themselves. So we looked at all of those physical effects of tiredness, headaches, upset tummy, making you feel emotionally drained, anxiety, panic. Now imagine putting a teacher in a classroom with 30 yeah. children. And really that's, I mean, at the heart of this, of course, you know, staff wellbeing is really important um, and, you know, our staff are our biggest resource. Absolutely. So it's worth investing in that mm-hmm. as well for mm-hmm. both of those reasons. But ultimately, we can't get away from the fact that if we have a stressed and anxious environment and culture, if we have staff who are stressed, it doesn't stop there, does it? No. The decisions that we make when we're in in a state of stress aren't always the right ones or ones that we would make if we weren't, um, you know, and, and... I know that sounds weird, but 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 students pick up on stress. I mean, oh, when I've done yeah. pupil audits before, they'll tell me they've seen this member of staff stress. In fact, one school it was it was you know we want our staff to look happy, yeah. and I just think you know they pick up on it, and the young people sometimes that you know they 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 know they're in a stressed environment, and it's a worry it's that a we're creating worry. the next generation of young people as a baseline of just ongoing stress yeah I I can't tell you how many parents that I've recently had conversations with just in sort of network meetings that I've been to and um, they've come to me they've been really really behind the project and every teacher matters really strikes a chord with everybody just those three words and they said absolutely you know really in awe of what you're doing it's a great project these teachers really do need looking after I'm so concerned when I go in and drop my child off at school because that teacher is just you can see the stress on their face and actually I'm really worried about the impact that's having on my child yes and as a head teacher I always always aimed to put well-being at the heart of the you know everything I did because I really understood the impact that those they were my best resource as you say if I invested in those teachers they were going to go into the classroom and have positive happy so all those things we talked about SLT going into a school and having those we need to arm our teachers with all of those tools and resources so that those children are being educated in an environment where they are going to thrive yes and that's so so important if we want to move our children towards the progress measures that ultimately Oxford will be coming in to check upon yes absolutely Thank you so much. You've given us some really great insights and and thought-provoking ways of looking at well-being and I think some great things to look out for in ourselves and for for mental health leads to be supporting staff because I know some uh, leads, you know, do look after sort of staff well-being. I think um, it's been really helpful as well to understand what burnout is and, you know, looking at that sort of beyond it just being about workloads. So it's been really helpful. Um, I'm just wondering, where can people find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, of course. So I'd, I'd love to sort of um, share that information with you. So the project Every Teacher Matters has, has got three strands to it. There's bespoke coaching, which I've referred to um, throughout talking to you today. I also offer sort of well-being workshops. So some of the things that we've touched on, they you know roll those out as actual you know essential well-being workshops. But there's also the well-being network. So you can find out all about that on my website, which is my name, um, www.sanitabagri.com. Com. You can reach me by um, email at contact at sanitabagri.com. So all of my details are on my website. You can email me for more information. That's brilliant. Thanks so much. Thanks, Anna. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
What I enjoyed about this interview was the opportunity for taking some control and empowering ourselves to take care of our own well-being. I think from a personal experience, coaching has had a profound effect on my ability to be able to progress, to achieve my goals and to maintain good well-being. It's fair to say there are coaches and there are coaches and not everyone is the right fit for you. So if you are looking for a coach, make sure that they are genuine, that they perhaps have the same background and experience as you, that you have rapport and that you also trust and respect where they're coming from and their approach. Sunita has kindly provided a top tips for staff self-care, which will be available to download on Halcyon Education's website under podcasts. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For more information and support on this topic, go to the resources section on the website. That's www.halcyon.education forward slash podcasts.